0: Hey, if no one's told you this already today, Merry Christmas. Christmas. Thank you. I was hoping at least one person would tell me Merry Christmas. We sing that it's the most wonderful time of the year. And before we dive into our message tonight, I just want to say to you, that's true. And also for some people, they don't feel that way. For some people, this is a very difficult time of year if you have experienced loss uh, at some point this year, maybe a loved one who is no longer with us, and this will be your first holiday without them. It's a difficult time of the year. If you've had a relationship fall apart, uh, someone that you thought you would be with this holiday season, and now you're not. It can be difficult. Maybe there's financial strain and some families, you know, the, the, the pressure to, uh, you know, provide all the latest and greatest gifts at Christmas. That can weigh heavy on people. So all that to say, check in on the people that you love, like even your family, it might be hard for them this time of year. So, And if that's you, if you're here and you're like, man, I, I feel the pressure to just be happy because it's Christmas. Let me just tell you, Christmas, the holidays, it can be rough. Okay, And we love you and we acknowledge that. And I'm just encouraging you as a part of loving Christ. Love people in your life well this holiday season. Check in on people. It's your last week of school, I think. You might see some people. And you can tell sometimes when people are carrying something heavy, they're kind of down. Check on them. Just, just touch base. Just a smile, a kind word can go. A Long, long way this Christmas season. Uh, this is the second part of our Joy to the World series. Uh, last week we talked about the birth of Christ. We looked at these lyrics of Joy to the World. The Lord is come, the earth receive her King. Jesus is King. That's true still today. And we sing about that. And we talk a lot about uh, Jesus coming to be with us. Emmanuel, oh come, oh come, Emmanuel, right? You're probably hearing that on the radio by now. Emmanuel means God with God us. And so last week we did, we looked at the Christmas story, and if you're coming on Sunday mornings to big church, which I encourage you to do, uh, you're hearing Pastor Perry talk through the different Christmas messengers, right? The angels, the star this morning, and it's the Christmas story, which is good. Uh, But we're going to talk tonight about the second coming of Christ. So Jesus was born in the past, right? He lived a perfect life. He sacrificed himself to glorify God, free us from sin rose from the dead, and he went back to be with God the Father. But he is coming back. And, and some people are, are very obsessed with the second coming of Christ. There's whole sects of study. sects, S-E-C-T, just in case you were like, what word did he just say? Uh, people who, who study about the end times. I'm going to teach you a big word, eschatology. Say eschatology. Eschatology. When you get in the car tonight or you get home, and, what did you learn at church? Eschatology damn, look it up. Uh, It means the study of the end times. And there are people who are obsessed with it. There are people who practice biblical numerology and they'll try to add up the chapter and the verse. And if you turn your Bible this many degrees and look at it at the setting sun, like people are obsessed with some of this stuff, trying to figure out when is Jesus coming back again? Here's what we know. He is coming back. Like that's for sure, lock, stock, and barrel. But when? People have spent hundreds and hundreds and maybe even thousands of years trying to figure this out. But what Jesus told us, Matthew 24, is that no man knows the hour. like It's just not a known thing. But that has not prevented people from trying to find out. So I'll tell you about a guy named Edgar Wisenat. You're like, that's no one I've ever heard of. Well, he wrote this book way back in the 80s called 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988. He believed that Jesus was going to come and take his people out of this earth in 1988. And he wrote a book called 88 Reasons Why. And this is what he said. He was quoted about this book saying, only if the Bible is in error am I wrong. And I say that to every preacher in town. Do you you see the pride, the hubris? series? Like, there's no way I'm wrong. I mean, if I'm wrong, it's because the Bible's wrong. If you ever think that way, my friend, repent, because you are very, very off base, okay? He was so convinced he was right. Guess what did not happen in 1988? Right it didn't happen. Undaunted, I cannot make this up, undaunted, he wrote another book called Rapture Report 1989, and he featured all these other reasons why, hey, all right, so maybe I was actually wrong in 1988, but Jesus is coming back in 1989. Guys, guess what else didn't happen in 1989? It didn't happen. Do you think after that you would like give up? You'd be like, you know what, I just, I struck out the 80s or rough for me. I'm just going to ride off into the sunset. Well, that's not what happened. Uh, he wrote another book in 1993 called 23 Reasons Why a Pre Tribulation Rapture Looks Like It Will Occur on Rosh Hashanah in 1993. I couldn't even find a picture of the book. I think his publication probably got whittled down. So after striking out 1988, saying, Jesus is coming back, and striking out 1989, he collected himself for a few years and he wrote another book saying, Hey, this is going to happen in 1993 it's for sure. Guess what didn't happen in 1993? And again, you and I are like three strikes, you're out, right? Nope, not for old Edgar. Uh, His final book was called, And Now the Earth's Destruction by Fire, Nuclear Bomb Fire. He was like, listen, I've been wrong before, but this is it. The nuclear bombs, they're going to wipe us out. And that's that's how it's going to go down. Uh, and again that, that clearly did not happen but this man was undaunted he was so determined to predict the end if he'd had just read in Matthew 24 where it says no man knows the hour he was not ever going to get this thing right but people continue to try and people are looking forward to it and I am not saying that it's bad to look forward to it I'm telling you don't get obsessed with trying to predict it because you're not you're not going to be able to pull that off now again at Christmas time we tend to think about baby Jesus right in the manger the star shining down he's wrapped in swaddling clothes. And again, if you were in big church this morning, Pastor Perry helped us see that probably the nativity set your grandma has on the dining room table is actually not probably the most accurate thing, and that's okay. But this is how we picture Jesus, right? Just a cute, sweet little baby. This is how Jesus is presented in the passage we're going to look at tonight. Many crowns on his head, fire from his eyes, a sword protruding from his mouth. His garment is the color of blood. and He is riding a white horse. and He is coming back uh, not as a gentle and meek and mild baby. So if you've got your Bible tonight, if you grabbed one, do this. Join me in the very last book of the Bible. We're going to be looking at Revelation 19, a little bit in Revelation 20, and then also in Revelation 21. Who has ever studied the book of Revelation? Anybody? Okay. If you've read it, you've probably been confused by it. This is, this is a tricky book. Uh, There's some things that are literal, there are some things that are not. There's some things that seem to happen in order, there's some things that happen out of order. So I'm just trying to encourage you, if you ever want to study the book of Revelation, it's awesome. If you are super interested in this stuff, it's great. Uh, I would encourage you to study it with people and don't be afraid to ask questions because it it, it can be kind of a strange book and there's a lot of differing opinions on a lot of different parts of it. But uh, I want you to to see, again, here he is, Here's, here's this one artist's rendering of it. Let's read Revelation 19 verses 11 through 16. This is the description of Jesus, the rider on the white horse. It says, I saw heaven open and a white horse was standing there and its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. His eyes are like flames of fire and on his head were many crowns. A name was written on him that no one understood except himself. And he wore a robe dipped in blood and his title was the Word of God and the armies of heaven dressed in the finest of pure white linen, followed him on white horses. From his mouth came a sharp sword to strike down the nations. He will rule them with an iron rod. He will release the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty, like juice flowing from a wine press. On his robe at his thigh was written this title, King of all kings and Lord of all lords." Uh, Guys, this is, this is a very different picture of Jesus than I think what we normally talk about. Even when we're not looking at baby Jesus, we tend to see um, like gentle Jesus who's walking around and he's got like uh, kind of that vacant stare. He's got the bathrobe thing going on. Uh, this is not that. It's a, it's a very different image. Uh, hey, for my tech guys back there, something has happened. I don't know if our internet just went out, but I have lost my slides, so somebody's got to run them for me. So just uh, we'll, we'll work together, I believe in y'all. Uh, so, so Jesus, he's coming back and it says that the, that the armies of heaven are coming with him, uh, that that he's coming to judge and he's going to rule and he's going to reign like this is, this is going to happen. And there are some people go, well, Jesus already came back. We're already living now in, in what's called the tribulation. I don't think that's true. Again, I keep referring to Matthew 24, and we will look at a piece of that later, but if you're super interested in this and what Jesus had to say about it, I would encourage you to do some homework, go study Matthew 24, uh, because he does speak a good bit about the end times in that particular chapter. Uh, But one of the things it says is that you'll know. It's not going to be a secret thing. If somebody tells you, hey, the Lord has already returned, don't believe them, because it will be incredibly evident when it does happen. Uh, again, this is, this is a very different-looking Jesus. Let's go ahead and put up that next passage. This is still in Revelation 19. We'll look at verses 19 through 21. It says, Then I saw the beast and the kings of the world and their armies gathered together to fight against the one sitting on the horse and his army, and the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who had worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown into the fiery lake A burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse, and the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. Joy to the world, right? I mean, vultures gorging themselves on dead flesh. We've got a beast. We've got a false prophet. They're being thrown into a lake of fire. This is not your typical Christmas message. I get that. But what we're talking about is Emmanuel, God with us, and this is a part of that. Now, who are the false prophets? Who are the beasts? What is the mark of the beast? This is the type of thing, if you dive in, you're going to find 10 different answers on 10 different websites on the internet, talk to different pastors, you're going to get different answers. Again, it's something that people study, and it is interesting, but here's what I want you to see, is that Jesus is coming back victorious. We tend to do this thing where we, we prop up Satan, the enemy, as an equal opposite to Jesus, and that's simply not true. And you'll see that in just a minute when we keep reading. But all of those who follow the enemy, who follow the accuser, Satan, guys, it's, it's, not, it's not even in question. This is not one of those things where we're like, oh man, how's it going to turn out in the end? No, Jesus wins. And that's good news. And even if you don't understand all of what we're talking about tonight, you're like, man, this seems kind of like scary Jesus. Do I want to roll with scary Jesus? He's not scary, but he's faithful, he's true, he's righteous, he's judge, he's Lord, he's king of kings. He is coming back, and evil will be defeated. I don't know if you ever watch the news or or see the news on your social media. Guys, we live in an evil world with a lot of evil things that are happening. And if you, like me, see that, sometimes you just get kind of down. You're like, man, how long is this going to last? I can't answer that for you, but what I know is in the end it will be set right Jesus is coming back and he is going to set things right. So if you are kind of looking through your Bible, you'll see at the end of 19, the beginning of 20, it starts talking about this thousand year reign. And again, there's, there's different interpretations of that, but I want to look at the end of the thousand years, okay? Because I want you to see the victory here. So this is Revelation 20, verse 7, when the thousand years come to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog. In every corner of the earth, he will gather them together for battle, a mighty army as numberless as the sand along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people in the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet. There they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Merry Christmas, right? So Satan, the enemy, the accuser, who we've seen as our adversary throughout Scripture, ultimately is defeated. And and what's cool is like there's not this major clash or battle, right? It doesn't say that they like locked arms, you know, Lord of the Rings style in this deep battle. It says, hey, all these evil people who oppose God came to fight and uh, he just wiped them out from heaven with fire. Boom, zap, they're gone because God's all powerful. And in the end, he's going to win. He's going to set things right. And so I want you to see again, Satan is not the equal opposite of God. He's going to be crushed like a bug. And here's the deal. He knows that. He knows his time is limited. And so he's making hay while he can. He's going to deceive as many people as he can. And and hear me, I'm not going to try to climb up here and just bash on culture, bash on the world, bash on lost people. Lost people are going to live like lost people. They just are. And I don't mean that to be ugly. If you are here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you're lost. And hey, I love you. I don't mean that ugly. But if you do claim to follow Jesus, I know many in this room do. If you claim to follow Jesus, you're, you're supposed to live like that. It should mark and define your life. We shouldn't just celebrate Jesus having come at Christmas. We should celebrate that every day. He's not just the reason for the season. He's the reason in every season. Your life should be shaped and molded by Jesus and in the end, we know he's going to come for us. He's going to set things right. Let's look at Revelation 21, the first four verses. I, and I know we're flying through this. I know I'm not going super, super deep. I'm just trying to give you a little bit of an overview. This part, uh, you could argue, is the most beautiful passage in all of Scripture. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and old earth had disappeared. And the sea was also gone. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among His people. He will live with them and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. So if your whole life you've grown up hearing, we're going to spend forever in heaven with God, that is not accurate. It says that heaven as you know it earth as we know it are going to be wiped away. And that a new heaven and a new earth are going to come. And what it says is that God's holy city where he dwells will come down to us. You know what's really cool about Christianity, and I don't know if you've studied world religions, in every other world religion there's a striving, there's a wrestling, there's a pursuit of trying to be good enough and get somewhere to that deity, to that holy being, to that nirvana, to that whatever. Over and over again we see that Emmanuel, God with us, is him initiating, him moving towards us. Even here in the end, he's coming to be with us. And that's good news. God's home is now among his people. He'll live with them. And he says, every tear will be wiped away. No more sorrow, no more sadness, no more depression, no more struggling with the things that you feel like you can't even handle and you can't talk about. Jesus is going to set all things right. He is coming back, and that is a promise we can take to the bank. When is it going to happen? I don't know. But I do believe this is going to happen. Just like I believe Jesus came at that first Christmas and was born as a baby, I believe he will return. He's going to set up his eternal, everlasting kingdom. So what do you do with this? Like, What's the action step? Well, first of all, if you've never read any of this and you're kind of like, what in the world is going on? Start reading. Start studying in the book of Revelation. Come and see me. We can sit down and talk. If there's multiple people who want to do that, we'll put together a group and we'll sit and talk about it. But in the meantime, I want you to see some other scripture that refers to some of this. Matthew 24, put that up there for me. It says, so you too must keep watch. This is Jesus talking. He's talking about the end. He says, keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming. Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Right now, in Simpsonville, I saw this the other day on on a Facebook group, there are some people going around in the middle of the night. They're stealing packages off porches, and they're getting into cars if they can. So A, lock your cars. B, bring your packages in. But like, in my mind, I go, I'm going to catch these guys. I'm going to sit up all night, and I hope they come into my cul-de-sac. I'll be ready for them. I'm not going to do that. I, I like sleep a lot. But if we knew when these guys were going to come and try to steal all of our Christmas presents off our porch or open up our cars, of course we'd be like, we're ready. We're going to be there ready for them. But that's not how it is. We don't know when they're coming. We don't know when Jesus is coming back. So, what's the action step? Be ready. Be ready for that return. Hey, Jesus could return in your lifetime, it absolutely could happen. Over and over and over again in the New Testament, we see these writers talking about that the day is approaching, the day is near, the day is nigh. And these guys wrote this 2,000-something years ago. So if it was close then, it's closer now. Now, it might not happen in your lifetime. It might be in your kids' lifetimes or your great-grandkids' lifetimes, or I don't know, but Jesus is coming. Are you ready for that? And, And I'm not trying to do that thing where it's like, if you died tonight, brother, do you know where you would go? But if, if your life was over soon, like, are, do you know where you would spend eternity? If Jesus came back and set all things right and it was time for this judgment that you can go read about in Revelation, like, you feel ready for that. And I don't mean for this to be like a, a downer. I don't mean for this to be a, like, oh no, like, now I'm tied up in knots. Like, Am I saved? Am I going to spend eternity with God? Like, no, that's not what I'm trying to do to you but I want you to understand this is coming. Jesus talked about it. Uh, Put up John 14 for me. This is is before Jesus was crucified, before he was resurrected from the dead. Jesus said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's house if it were not so. But I've told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'll come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am and you know the way to where I'm going. Jesus is preparing a place for you my brother or sister in Christ, not just for the person in your life who's a super Christian, but for you. And when it's time, he's going to come so you can be with him forever. When will it be? Again, I don't know, but I believe it's coming. From the very last book of Revelation, we'll jump back. Revelation 22, last verse we'll look at tonight. Jesus says, look, I'm coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words, prophecy written in this book. Jesus is coming back to rule and reign forever as King and Lord. That's good news. That is joyous news to the world because there's an open invite to be in relationship with him. So I would just ask you to think about that here at the end of the year as you reflect back, as you think about just how you've been living. Like, do you have a relationship with Jesus? Are you ready for him to come and rule and reign and vanquish all who are opposed to him? Are you living in opposition to him? You have to think about this. You have to discern that within your own spirit as God leads you. I can't tell you definitively what's in your heart. So here's what we'll do. Uh, We'll bring our band back up, our mini band. And uh, just in the next few minutes, here's what we'll do. We'll reflect and we'll pray. And we'll think about uh, where we stand with Christ because he is coming back. That's good news But Is it good news to you or is it just good news for someone else? It can be good news for all of us. So let me pray. Uh, And this will be a time for you just to reflect and think about where you are with Jesus. And if you need to take a step tonight, you need to talk with somebody. Absolutely feel the freedom to do that. All right, let me pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word, which reveals to us, Jesus, that you have come. That you lived a perfect life. You died to glorify the Father and forgive us of our sins. Jesus, we thank you for that. We know that you're preparing a place for us and that we can be with you forever one day. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Set things right. We long to be with you forever. My prayer is that if there's one person who is just not ready, they've not taken a step to begin a relationship with you, that they would they would understand the end is already written. You are victorious. God, we want to stand with you. So speak to us now, Holy Spirit, in this time. We love you. It's Christ's name we pray.